You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Welcome, Grace Church. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us this weekend. My name is Chris Fetters, and I have the opportunity to be the pastor at Grace Church North Overland Park at 103rd and Antioch, and we are so glad that you're with us. Whether you're here in Kansas City or somewhere across the United States or even the world, we are glad that you're with us. It's fun every week for us to see where people are worshiping from. Some are worshiping with us here in Kansas City. I know there's some in the Amazon, in the Middle East. There are people in New York, to Alaska, to California, Colorado. We are so glad that you're worshiping with us, and we love being the church as we're navigating these crazy times. Now, we're in this series in Ephesians called All About Him. And what we're doing right now is we go throughout this series in Ephesians that was written by the Apostle Paul. We're looking how our lives our words, our actions, our parenting, our jobs, our schooling, our motivation should be all about him. Should all point to Jesus, the mission of God and his glory. And so we're going to turn into Ephesians chapter 2 here in just a moment, starting in verse 11, as we continue to look at how our lives should be pointed to him and him alone. So I want to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in to see what God has for us here this weekend. God, we love you. And Lord, I pray right now as people are in the living room, maybe on their back porch, in a park, in a hotel room, on their phone, on vacation somewhere, sitting with their dog or their family, their wife, their kids. Lord, I pray that you will reveal yourself to them. Lord, you'll speak to them. You'll open up their eyes, Lord, right now. That you'll open up their eyes to truth of the gospel what you have for us. Lord, you'll convict us, you'll sanctify us, we'll become more like you as we look at what the Apostle Paul has for us, as he encourages us, as he encourages us that our lives should be about you. In your name we pray, amen. So we're gonna do, we're gonna break chapter two, verse 11, through the end of the chapter in three different chunks. We're gonna look how Christ is our sacrifice, we're gonna look at how Christ is our peace, And that Christ is our unifying cornerstone. So what I want to do is start off and look how Christ is our sacrifice. So let's start off in verse 11. And I'm going to read 11 through 13. And then we'll kind of rewind a little bit and go verse by verse. But let me read this to you. It says, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in flesh by hands. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now let's look here at what Paul has and what he means that Christ is our sacrifice. Verse 11 says this. Therefore... Remember that you, he's speaking to the church in Ephesus. 
He spent three years of his ministry there encouraging them. And now he's writing them this letter to encourage them from prison to say, hey, remember that Jesus loves you. Remember the good news and remember that our lives should be about him. He goes, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles, anyone who is not Jewish, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by what is called circumcision that made flesh by hands. Now Paul is talking about uncircumcision versus circumcision because the word circumcision is how Jews often revealed or kind of talked about themselves. It's part of the Abrahamic covenant. This was important to them. It was kind of this prideful stance they took. And not so kindly, they would refer to the Gentiles as the uncircumcision. So Paul is reminding these Gentiles that, hey, you were once far off. You were not part of the promises of God, as we see here in verse 12. He says that at the time, you were once without Christ. He's pointing, hey, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He's reminding them that before Christ, that they had, they didn't have a hope. He says, actually, they did not have citizenship. They were not Jewish and not part of God's chosen nation. He refers to them as aliens, strangers. You know, it makes me think of, never forget my mom telling me these stories growing up. My mom was from Cuba. And my mom escaped from Cuba to the United States in 1962. And I was asking my mom, what was that like? And she says, you know what, it was terrible. The, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis and communists took over and it was hard there. But I lived in this tropical paradise, moved to Miami for a little bit, and then they moved to the middle of America in Kansas City. Kind of a fun fact for show and tell. My grandfather loved John Wayne movies growing up. And so he wanted his family to live maybe where John Wayne would have lived. And so they moved to Kansas City. Now, my mom was telling me that they moved in the middle of wintertime. Here they are from a different country, don't speak the language, come to this city that looks completely different than anything she's ever experienced. And she says, I wanted to go home so bad. I wanted to go back to Cuba so bad. I was so uncomfortable. I feel like I didn't have a place here. She goes, I wasn't a citizen, I didn't know what to do, I didn't have any friends, it was cold, I was lost, I was lonely. And this is how Paul is describing Gentiles, describing us before we know Jesus. He says, strangers from the covenants of promise. I mean, the Old Testament, the Jewish nation, the Israelites, it was full of promise and hope for them. The Gentiles did not have this, having no hope. They had no hope, nothing to look forward to, nothing to get them through their difficult times, and without God. I mean, they did not have God. They did not have a spirit leading them. And maybe that is you right now. If you're in your living room, just, just look at me for a moment, Okay. This might be you sitting down right now saying, you know what, I don't know Christ. You might be saying, I don't have any hope. This pandemic, 
It has given me anxiety. The racial tension that has exist, I don't know what to do. I don't know if my job's going to be there. I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to eat tomorrow. Maybe you're like, I don't have a place. I don't have a community. I don't have anyone encouraging me. What Paul is saying, this is how the Gentiles were. But it doesn't end there. He says, now guess what? That in verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you were once far off. Okay, this term far off was often used in rabbinical writing, meaning you were so far away. He emphasized that they were long gone, but you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We see the gospel, which means the good news of Jesus. He says, guess what, Gentiles? You didn't have a place, you didn't have hope, but Jesus died for you. On the day of atonement, at that one moment, that one moment, Jesus died. All our sins, all our shame was put on the cross that day. And not only did he die, but on the third day, he conquered sin and death so we could live. Christ is our sacrifice. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have the hope, if you don't feel like you have a place, if you don't have a promise, It's because you don't know Jesus. Give your life to him. Trust in his sacrifice, that he is enough. I just, says, right now in Christ, you were once far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ. You haven't been brought near by your good works. You weren't brought near by what family you were born into. You weren't brought near by how good your job is or how much money you make or the promotions you have. You weren't brought near by the car you drive. What you're brought near is by Christ and Christ alone. The final sacrifice. The cool thing is both Jew and Gentile at this moment had a way to God. Now let's go on as we look at how Christ is our peace. Verse 14 says this. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished his flesh, the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, so as to create in himself once new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death enmity. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace. So you who are far off and to those who are near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Again here, we're looking how it's all about him. It's all about Christ. We're going to look at how he is our peace. So let's go back to verse 14. So for he himself is our peace. What he is saying here is he's writing to this church. He says, Jesus is the only one that can bring you peace, period. No law, no reform, no promotion, no sense of security, no retirement can bring us peace. Those things will fade away. What he's saying here is that only he himself is our peace, who has made both one. And this is cool. It's broken down the middle wall of separation. Okay, there is this wall in the temple. Okay, in the temple, there's this wall that separated both Jew 
and Gentile. The Gentiles did not have the same access as the Jewish nation. They didn't. And so what the Apostle Paul is reminding him in his death and resurrection, this wall is torn down. There is no longer this separation. We also know that the veil was torn in two. We have access to God now. Before they didn't, now they do. In verse 15, have abolished in his flesh the enmity. That word means this, at odds or hostility, this frustration. I mean, for thousands of years, there was this hostility between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews said, hey, we are the circumcision people. You are the uncircumcision. We are God's chosen nation. You are not. We see this racial tension, not for a couple hundred years, thousands of years. Just reminds me that right now we live in this time where there is a lot of tension going on. A lot of frustration, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different views. And I love what we see here is that he is our peace. That only Jesus can tear down this hostility. To create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. We see that again. And that he might reconcile them both, what he's saying, Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through the cross. He's telling us about the cross again, that it's his death, his resurrection, the power of Jesus is what breaks this wall down. Thereby, again, putting to death the enmity that existed. What we see here that Jesus is our peace. For he himself we see is our peace. He came and made peace between Jew and Gentile, and he preached peace, as we see in verse 17, that he came and preached peace. This was Jesus' message. I have come to give you life. I have come to make a way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' message was when he caught a sinner in adultery, he did not stone her. He did not yell at her. He spoke calmly with her. When he went and hung out with the tax collector, he did not condemn them. He loved them. He spent time with them. He encouraged them. I don't think there's a better message that we need right now than that of peace. I'll tell you, right now we have the racial tension that exists. We even have arguments and fights that I have seen. I did this for fun this week. I never do this, but I did this week. I just went and said, you know what, Lindsay, I'm gonna spend 15 minutes on Facebook, and I'm just gonna read the banter going back and forth. I saw the racial frustration. I saw mask and no mask. I saw one girl say, hey, I need money for this, and then people attack them, say, why would you set up a GoFundMe for yourself? And then I saw people mad, whether they're Republican or Democrat, in their fight after fight after fight, frustration after frustration after frustration, view after view after view, and not once did I see people talking about the peace that Jesus brings. That was his message. Now track with me here for a moment. I believe 
that if we want to be the church that God has called us to be, that we need to respond in a way of peace. Not of pride, not of you want it your way, not of that you want to make a point. Let's live our lives where we want to make a difference and that our message as his church, as his children, will be that of peace. Verse 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. You know, we see this message by Paul a lot. We see him talk about the hostility and the enmity between Jew and Gentile through his writings. And I believe it's because Paul realized that people don't like change. That for thousands of years it was one way. This is how it was. And so it's never going to change. What he is reiterating over and over again that Jesus made a new covenant. He made a way for both Jew and Gentile to have access to God the Father. There's a lot of us who don't like change. And we want to make sure our opinions are heard. Can I encourage you to bring the message of peace? Let's read on here. Now we're going to look at, we saw that he's our sacrifice, he's our peace, and now we're going to close out this passage of Scripture this week by looking how Christ is our unifying cornerstone. He says, now, Verse 19, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into the holy temple in the Lord in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place place of God in the Spirit. Let's look here just for a moment how he is our cornerstone. Again, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. He said, hey, you were once a stranger, you were once an alien, no more. If you know Christ, you're part of his family. You've been grafted into this tree but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This new nation, this is the church. What God is saying, two have become one, that he made a way and that together we can be unified to be the mission of God, to share his name with the nations. We're all brothers and sisters. No matter the race, your nationality, your physical distinctions, it doesn't matter. What he's saying is we are one. Having been built, on verse 20, in the foundation of the apostles and prophets, that Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. I love this because if you think of building a brick house or if you look at ancient historic buildings, we see the importance of a cornerstone. I was doing a little research on the cornerstone, and this is the definition or a way to describe it. The cornerstone or foundation stone or the setting stone 
is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to the stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. What Paul is saying is this, that Jesus is a foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the setting stone of everything that we should say and do. Again, it's all about him. That Jesus should be the central focus of our lives. That he is a foundation of why we do what we do. We're saying, hey, you were once Gentile, you were once far off, but now Jesus is the cornerstone of your life. Jesus needs to be the reason why you live. Jesus is the cornerstone of Grace Church. It's not Tim Howie's church. It's not Brian Gant at the Latha campus. It's not me at the North Campus, not Justin Raby. It's not our church. This is Jesus' church. And he is the chief cornerstone of the global church. And the problem is, if you're building a building and you get the cornerstone wrong, and you get away from it, the whole building will be messed up. The foundation will not be strong. It will not be able to weather the storm, so to speak. And the moment that Jesus does not become the cornerstone of our life is when things get chaotic. Verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into the holy temple, holy to be set apart of the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What that is saying, the Lord dwells in the hearts of those who have trusted Christ. See, Jesus is the unifying cornerstone. And in culture today, I don't remember a time in my life that it seems like there's been so much disunity, frustration, hatred, anger. Maybe, probably it's been existed at some point, but because of media and social media and how connected we are, it is in our face 24-7. But what I realize is this. that we need to go back and evaluate who our cornerstone is. Who's your cornerstone? What is your identity in? You know, is it that you're a white Christian? Is your identity that you are a black Christian? You are a Republican Christian? You're a doctor who is a Christian. You are a student who is a Christian. You are a mask-wearing person who is a Christian. You're a not-mask-wearing person that's a Christian. How do you define yourself? See, when we define ourselves, that is not saying that Jesus is our cornerstone. What he is saying through this text, that he unified us, that we are all one. It is not that I'm a white Christian. It is a Christian who is white. You're a Christian who is black. You're a 
Christian who is a doctor. You're a Christian who is a Republican. You're a Christian who is a Democrat. You're a Christian who is a teacher. You're a Christian who is a mom. You're a Christian who is a dad. That should be the cornerstone that we are Christ's followers, that he came to bring us peace. And our lives should point everything and everyone to him. But oftentimes we allow the cornerstone to get messed up. We find our identity in the things of the world. And I will tell you what our culture needs more than anything right now is the unifying message that is Jesus, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that no matter where you're from, no matter what you look at, no matter who you are, he died for you. He made a way. And you can find your hope in him. My question for you is this, as we finish up this weekend, as you sit there in the living room, as you sit there processing maybe what God wants to do in your life, how maybe he wants to respond to you in this message, ask yourself, who is your cornerstone? Who is your foundation? And are you willing to trust in the sacrifice of Jesus? Are you willing to bring the message of peace and do it hand in hand with our brothers and sisters from all over the world, no matter what they look like. Let's pray. God, we love you. And Lord, we need you more than ever. We need you to work in our lives. We need you to bring the message of peace. Lord, and that we can be your hands and feet. That Grace Church, together, we can bring this message of hope to the world where you brought oneness, where you brought reconciliation to thousands of years of racial tension. Lord, that you will show people and reveal to them that you're the one who brings complete reconciliation. You and you alone. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.